Up in Albany and working hard as always, he is Assemblyman Anthony Palumbo, representing the uh, 2nd Assembly District. Also, uh, he's got an eye on the state Senate as far as uh, the 1st District is concerned. It was good to have him. Sir, how are you? I'm well. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. A little bit busy you were yesterday, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was like a, like another budget cycle, you know what I mean? Going late and debating through the night and it, it uh you know there's there's a lot of a lot of interesting bills coming through the state legislature that's for sure i think a lot of it's reactionary and um a bit of opportunistic but um some good some bad in my opinion well you know i tell you i look at all this defunding police uh it's it's a bunch of nonsense i mean I, you know i can't figure this one out tony uh you know i look at some of the numbers I look at what the city has gone through, and boy, were they painted in a bad light. Uh, and I say, you know, listen, I always say it's about leadership. You know, if you, if you and I and I had Governor Cuomo on last week, and I kind of correlated it as a you know as a coach or a manager. You know, you lose your team, you lose the voice that's being heard. Guess what? Changes have to be made. Changes have to be made as far as the mayor of the city is concerned. I mean, come on, could somebody explain to me the city's murder rate down from two thousand a year? Uh, to just over 300, even as the population grew? I mean, come on. I mean, that's an example of what our police force does. And now we're going to take away dollars and cents and put it on other areas. And for whatever reason, I can't figure it out. But, uh, you know, we got to be smart here. And I, quite frankly, uh, I, I'm just absolutely flabbergasted of the polarization of what happened in Minneapolis two weeks ago leads to this yesterday as far as a quick vote and everything else to put in place. Uh, If I'm flabbergasted, I'm wondering how you feel this morning. Yeah. Yeah. As as a cop's kid and former prosecutor myself, um, you know, painting everyone, and this this is what happens often, unfortunately, in particularly New York and many other states, is that the rush now becomes to pander to the mob and do what they feel needs to just make a progressive statement, like defunding the police. I mean, come on. A senator said that on the floor yesterday in, in a, in, down the hall in, uh, in the state legislature, that they need to defund the police. I mean, think about that, how insane that is. That's anarchy. And we've got, just like with the, the so-called bail reform, where they pull the cash bail, for defendants, and, and I always leave these off as a former prosecutor and someone I'm a ranking member on the uh, on the Judiciary Committee. I started off the debate yesterday um, on, on the, the police reforms, the shield laws, everyone's catching. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, that was put in place because police officers are in a very different position that they, a lot of their records, if actually most of them and all of them, are considered confidential unless you can otherwise prove they were needed. So under the old law, you could make an application to the court and a judge could unseal them. Now that's completely stricken and it's under foil. There's no legitimate reason that needs to be proven. And you got to remember, these are folks, a police encounter. And that, again, my dad was a stuff of homicide detective. I've grown up with cops. I worked with cops as a prosecutor. Interactions with police are, are not always a comfortable thing. Even when people get a speeding ticket, you get nervous. You believe, oh, that darn cop shouldn't have given me that. This is the second time he's written me a speeding ticket this month. He couldn't just let me go. So they're targets. 
you and I don't get up in the morning when we go to work and put on a bulletproof vest. You know, that, and that's the, the difference between law enforcement is that you don't have, you've got a dangerous job, and they're very unique in what they do. So the bottom line is the law that was pushed through yesterday, done quickly, so the governor can make a statement, I believe, that he's really with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and Black Lives Matter. The bottom line, we are that now, if all these records are available, including unfounded complaints, and that's the biggest problem I have. Nobody has a problem with transparency, but if you get a, if you're an active police officer, you're going to get complaints. Ninety-eight percent of the complaints made in 2018 against the NYPD, ninety-eight percent were unfounded. So now it's going to seem as if this was an untoward act because someone complained and said they ran their head against the side of the police car, which was not true. And this is investigated in the city by a, a, an independent board, the Civilian Complaint Review Board. So the numbers, like you say, murder rates went down from 2,200 in 1990 to 319 last year. The burglaries went down from over 100,000 burglaries to like 10,000 last year. These numbers have been reduced and our streets have been made safe, not because of any legislators, trust me, because of the, the, the men and women in blue, and that's you know the same for Suffolk County that, that we have you know, an outstanding police force, and of course maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a cop's kid, but no other profession allows unfounded complaints to be made public. None. School teachers they expunge it from their record if a school teacher is accused of something, and it's ultimately found to be it, it's unfounded or unsubstantiated. Doctors, even defendants, when someone even, even though you may have worked out some sort of a deal with a plea under 160.50, 160.55, these sections of the criminal procedure law, that's also sealed, and nobody can get it without a court order. So the reasons to disclose unfounded complaints and unsubstantiated complaints against a police officer, I think, are simply so the court of public opinion can run the poor person out of town, like they did like with um, the, the Michael Brown shooting. The hands up, don't shoot. Saying he, oh, he, he wasn't. He, he was. He had his hands up. He said, "Please don't shoot. Please don't shoot." And the cop murdered him. You know that's. And the facts were not that he was. He, now we realize that once the facts came out, that uh, that's not the case. He was reaching for the officer's gun, and it was a justified shooting. Look, and, and the loss of life is terrible. And not a single person that I know, in law enforcement or not, thinks that what happened to George Floyd is, was okay. That was murder. That's not a police officer when you're kneeling on someone. When you need, when you crush the life out of someone's out of someone on the streets, that is murder. That is nothing good. No one can justify that, and no one should. And everybody agrees to the person, but to paint every police officer with the same brush, in light of the millions of police encounters that are had in New York State every day, um, you're gonna you're gonna have bad people. You're gonna have some people who are crooks, who are criminals in every in every profession, um, and, and that's what's really unfortunate. I even said it yesterday. With the Crime Victims Act that we passed, a number of teachers are getting sued for molesting children. Is every teacher a, a pedophile? Of course not. I mean, but you can't paint them all with the same, same brush. We love our school teachers. And there, of course, there are bad apples in any job, just like there are in the, in the police department. That's just human nature. But you can't say that, that even the majority of them um, are, are, act that way. And it's just offensive to me that we would do things like this and then really triple jump the line of disclosure um, and allow these unfounded complaints now, which are just going to be allowed to the general public for no valid reason 
to just harass the police. That's the way I see it. Assemblyman Anthony Palumbo with us. Uh, you know, a couple of things. You know, I look at 50A. I had this discussion yesterday, Tony. You know, the section of the state civil rights law that deems the personal records of police officers, firefighters, correction officers confidential and subject and not subject, by the way, to inspection or review without the permission of that individual or a court order. You know, I look at this thing. It was passed, what, in the 70s to protect Let's uh, keep that in mind, folks, to protect personal information of officers who testified in court to prevent harassment by criminal defense attorneys. You know, and, and I had on an individual yesterday, I correlated 50A to this bail reform. And, you know, the, the, the things that drive me crazy in bail reform, and we've said this all along, you know, the judge's discretion that's been stripped uh they gotta do something with disclosure and discovery you got to reverse this presumption on rapid disclosure of victim and witness information correlating somewhat to 58 year and you must slash the rest of the new discovery requirements at least to a level uh that crime labs and prosecutors can manage in a timely manner you can't let defense attorneys Game the system. How? By gumming up the works until the prosecution gives that. Listen, this is along the same lines here. So as we continue to hear, you know, we hear from the Long Island Six and everything else about amending the bail reform stuff. Meanwhile, they're the first to strip away 50A. I mean, which side of the fence are you on here? Because the meaning is somewhat different, but you kind of get the connotation involved here on both. That's what drives me crazy here. The rush to get this thing signed into place, disgraceful when you think about it and you correlate it to bail reform. Exactly. And, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. When you don't include the stakeholders who know what they're talking about, I mean, the legislators, it's a misdemeanor to release an unfounded complaint against a legislator in New York State, against the New York State legislature. There's 213 of us in the Senate and Assembly. It's a, it's a crime to release an unfounded complaint. Yet now, the general public, they've already said that with some of these radical groups, they're going to create databases on these poor police officers. And again, if you're just working and you are the best, most appropriate acting police officer on the planet, if you're just making arrests and doing your job, you are going to get complaints. And they're not going to be true. 98%, as I said, of those in New York City were unfounded and un or unsubstantiated. So th there's got to be a balance there. Even in California, they allow disclosure of only substantiated complaints that have to do with perjury, discharging of firearms, sexual assault, excessive force, very limited categories that are material and relevant. But they did the same thing with the bail reform. When I, I stood up and said, guys, you said nonviolent felonies, manslaughter in the second degree, I've handled these as a prosecutor, is a non-violent felony. Do you realize that under the penal law? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. We're just going to have to monitor them. And then after people were getting out, drunk driving, killing someone, get back and get released that evening, get back in their car, go deal drugs, and get released. And there were, no, there were some tweaks made, as we, they would call them, in this last budget cycle on the bail reform, which still make it complete, which do not allow bail. For example, a class A2 drug sale. So if I'm a drug dealer, and as long as I'm selling less than two ounces of fentanyl, I can do it all day long. I mean, this is a craziness, and this is what we're dealing with now. And we've got calls to uh, defund the police. 
to legalize prostitution from some of the senators um, in the city, that they, they have the, the, the bail reform, and now we have this where we're releasing unfounded complaints to, to the general public without a valid reason against all of our police officers. I mean, this is anarchy. Like, what the heck is going on in this state? It just makes me, it makes me very sad and, very, and, and afraid for my kids. Um, Tony, you know better than anyone here. jumping the line. Tony, you know better than anyone here. This, uh, this has been a movement. It's been happening a long time. You want to call it the AOC effect? Go ahead. You know, this is a progressive movement. That's what it is. And when you get a chance to pounce and the polarization of a situation that occurred as it did in Minneapolis, this is what is happening right now. And this is what is causing further division. Now, you ask how much more of the divide we could have. Well, you get deals like this. You get things happening on Capitol Hill. You get Senator Tim Scott, who uses his head out of South Carolina. We'll get into that in a second. But the fact of the matter is that if you truly want to improve uh, policing, to me, it's not a legislative one. It's not. To me, it's about the training. It's about management. It's about culture. You know, we talk about the culture change that has to be in effect regarding racism and everything else, listen, nothing can make it happen overnight. But we know one thing. This cannot be a legislative one. That, to me, is more detrimental than anything. You know, that's a great point. You cannot legislate around criminal conduct. You can have penalties, but you can't legislate around it. And this is the sort of thing that, you know, I mean, this is, but this, is, this is par for the course in the New York State legislature. They, would, they, make, they have a press release. And, you know, now that we have one-party control, we have a Democratic majority in both houses, and the governor's a Democrat, and he is as, as, as good a politician as, as you can find, that they try to legislate certain things or have press releases and say, don't worry, folks, we fixed it. Just like the ethics reform. Don't worry. We have every legislator now do this extensive, and the, the financial disclosure would make your head spin with everything you have to disclose, any involvement you have. And lo and behold, what? The Speaker was arrested. The Senate Majority Leader was arrested for something not relative necessarily to stealing. But you're, you're always going to have corruption in politics. You're going to have people, when you have 33,000 police officers, look, 35 in New York City, you're going to have some bad people. That's human nature. You don't want to think that way in every profession. As I said before, you're going to have school teachers that are going to be pedophiles and they're going to molest students. You're going to have physicians who are not scrupulous people. It happens. They're going to write over overprescribe so they can make money with opioids or whatever it may be. That happens. But that's not everybody. That's the overwhelming, infinitesimal minority of people. So the fact that this happens halfway across the country, this awful act which breaks everyone's heart, to George Floyd, that's not New York City. When you think, uh, let's use Eric Garner as, as a litmus test. That was 2014, that was, in the, I think it was the summer, July of 2014. Since then, again, as I said before, of the millions of police interactions, we have a handful that you can point a finger at. Millions of interactions with police officers and civilians, all of them, or most of them, overwhelmingly, are appropriately at this appropriate conduct and the restraint that they show when someone's shoving a cell phone in their face spitting at them dumping water on them we've seen all this in the past few years 
So the disrespect for police is what's really, really insulting to me as a son of a police officer and someone who respects our law enforcement. The fact that it just goes on and on, and now all of them are the bad guy. All of them are racist. It's systemic. You wouldn't believe the amount of times I heard that yesterday of people speaking on the bill, these legislators saying, oh, it's just systemic racism. This is going to fix it. Well, how is disclosing because nothing's going to happen with that other than maybe you can use it for cross-examination or to harass the man or woman police officer that, that someone feels like harassing. They're not going to get fired as a result of this disclosure. It just makes them less safe. So there's no even real remedy for this disclosure, but this was what they absolutely needed to, along with defund the police movement, this is what they needed to really make things right and get rid of racism. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's really disheartening. Um, all we can do is continue to fight the fight because it's just something that I think is so vapid that it, it's just, it, there's no real point to it other than for them to stand up, make a nice video that they can put on their campaign website. And yes, really it, it just, uh, I'll tell you, it just keeps getting worse there up in Albany, no question. The Assembly United of Palumbo with us. And that's why you like what Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina did, as I mentioned prior, Tony, the only black Republican, by the way, in the U.S. Senate. Well, he made a bit of a presentation as far as ideas for policing reform to his colleagues. Closed all lunch it was. You got a five, five-man five committee, uh, and, and I kind of like it. And some of it's no-brainers, you know, and banning chokeholds, you know, furthering body cams I think is needed. But the thing I, I stated even a, a while ago is, you know, you look at you look at this Derek Chauvin, okay, and you look at Minnesota in general, just – you know, you, you just have to scratch your head over the years. We, we've stated so many cases in, in over there. Uh, and you look at a guy like Chauvin, even a guy, the other guy, like Total, who's to the left of Chauvin. And by the way, it's reported today that Chauvin and George Floyd had some run-ins uh, when they did some stuff at a nightclub, you know, some uh, uh, some uh, bodyguards, whatever they were. Uh, there was some incidents, and, and thus, you know, you kind of got to sense Chauvin and Axe to grind down or or as in Floyd's case, a knee to grind on his, on his neck. But, you know, in essence, create a registry for guys like Chauvin. When you have 18, 19, 20 complaints, uh, that's a lot. And that should be put in the books. And that's where the training comes in. That's where management needs to come in and figure out how do you turn around a guy like Derek Chauvin if possible, and if not, Try another occupation here, because quite frankly, these have to be documented in a way where problems are taken care of and not left to fester as to what happened two weeks ago. So, you know, Scott makes a lot of sense and a lot of his points here, Tony. Exactly. And, and shame on that police department for not seeing that. If, if it was that flagrant and it looked to be systemic, um, then yeah, you can you can do that, and that's one individual actor. So that's where it needs to be. It needs to be more appropriately dealt with by the department themselves, the police themselves. But not every administration in the department is like that. You 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 have to understand that, you know, particularly in New York, we are. If you want to use the word progressive, they are as open and progressive as any department in the country. You know, and and these these statements. Oh, we're one of only three countries, uh, three states in the country that have this privacy law, but that's, that's not true. There are actually 23 states that have it, but we have vehicles to access these records, and that's what's so misleading in the media that people don't understand that. Could we have made some tweaks? Sure. 
And as I said, even California, a quote, progressive state, they release substantiated claims because they're relevant and they happen. And, and, and you know, there are some there are situations where there is inappropriate conduct. We all get that. We're not denying that. Um, and, and it's just the fact that now really just make not really observing any civil rights of those people who just really overwhelmingly 99.99% kiss their family and want to just get home at the end of the day, not knowing that in the next few hours they could be in a fist fight, they could be in a, in a life-threatening situation, they could be threatened with, with deadly physical force. That's the nature of the job. But overwhelmingly, they don't go out having an axe to grind saying, I'm going to really go after somebody today. And that's how they make it sound. And, and that's what's really, uh, it's, it's just offensive. It's probably the best word I can use, although I've said it a few times. Um, that uh, are there changes that we could make? Yeah, there are. There are. I don't think they're. I don't think they're necessary in in, in our departments here. But the fact that again that, that the the so called um, you know, reforms that are being made aren't going to accomplish the goals they're looking to accomplish, and the unintended consequences are going to be quite severe. And to even get people recruit people to become police officers now, any real talent, um, is going it's going to be much more difficult. Why would you want to do it? When you have absolutely no respect, you have no backup from the administrations, and ultimately, you know, this is a bad actor, and that really brought that to light in a, in a department that really is, 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 is a mess, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and that's why they're, they're calling to defund them, and at least the mayor has the brains to say, look, we need to make some real changes. Um, and he's a young guy, and I know he was, he was chanting and at the protest and enjoying himself until they asked him straight up, are you going to defund the police? And he, he said no, and then they shamed him away. Um, that this, there are some things that you can deal with, and I think it starts with the brass and with the overall department policy. But, um, again, to, to make a nationwide uh, change that is just really not going to accomplish the goal that's intended um, and is really, more, in my opinion, just to harass these poor, these poor people is, is, is not smart. So um, now that the governor has claimed he's ready to sign it, he's going to do it with all kinds of fanfare, um, why wouldn't we just make it consistent with the rest of the country now if that's what we're going to do? And that was really our chief complaint, that you want to make changes, that's fine. There's nothing, there's no concerns to really hide. Um, but uh, although we didn't feel there were changes necessary, you want to make them, great, just do them reasonably. So I guarantee, just like the bail reform and all these other policies that, that, the, that the new one-party rule majority loves to shove through as fast as they can um, so they can take advantage of a crisis, um, it, it's going to backfire. And I guarantee we're going to be back and quietly things will be tweaked and changed and a quiet amendment to make it reasonable. Because now it's just something that uh, there was a big push and all the civil rights groups are... are, are you know, miss much fanfare or clapping and saying, this is really a wonderful thing. Way to go, Governor, and, and he'll take all the praise and then actually fix it in a few months when we come back sometime soon, I guarantee it, because once this is implemented, um, I think it's going to be a disaster, quite frankly. I'll say what I said at the beginning, uh, Tony Paloma, and that is leadership. You know, when you, have, uh, when you have a governor that came out and he apologized, by the way, he called the government chair, the commissioner, NYPD. And he apologized for the comments about not doing your job and everything else. They were overrun. That police department was undermanned that night. And do you know why? Because the mayor basically stated the fact that you didn't have, you were not in full operation that night. That was his. That was on his account, by the way. When you have a mayor also that lessens arrests, basically telling officials, you know what? 
we're not we're not going to do a full full throttle arrest deal here. When you have a mayor that's advocating people go out after they're incarcerated, go out in the street, but come back. Oh, by the way, uh, here's a Visa gift card, or here's a pair of tickets to a future Mets game at City Field. This is why that you are in a form of chaos right now because of poor, poor leadership. Anthony Palumbo starts from the top, and and that has to change. Until that change changes, you have no respect, no respect as far as the police force operating under that type of leadership. And that is tough to operate in full. Ask the likes of a Marco Mira and a Patrick Lynch. Incredible comments yesterday. Ask those two guys and the emotions and everything else that, that were coming out of this. But it starts at the top. You know that. Exactly. And, 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 and the people that are on the, those front lines, you know, we've been praising the front line workers during this pandemic and with all this that, you know, these are dangerous jobs. And we've, we've, at, we've all acknowledged that and said, you know what, this, this is, these people are doing amazing work. They get up every day and go into the danger with this COVID-19 and they have to, they have to put themselves in a, you know, dress and, and, and put their masks and gloves and shields on and robes and go in knowing that they could be very, very hurt um, in the event or even lose their life. And everyone acknowledged that and said, wow, you people are heroes. And we have another group of people that do that every single day, firefighters, police officers, corrections, every day. When you go to work, as I said before, they are putting themselves in a position where they could be fighting for their lives or be threatened with their lives in the next few hours in a completely random encounter with a stranger to protect people like us who are also strangers. So the fact that they don't have any support from from their governmental bodies and agencies is is really disheartening. And, and that was and Mark um, O'Meara and uh, uh, and Pat Lynch. I mean, they were obviously extremely upset because that's what we're doing, painting everyone with the same brush and saying that, you know what, you're all a bunch of racists, you're horrible people, and we are going to legislate around you, and we're going to expose all these horrible deeds that you did. Um, and look, if there are horrible deeds that were done, they should be exposed. We get it. But again, this is, I, I just think this is not going to, put the, to, to reach that end. This is going to have terrible unintended consequences. And, you know, that this, uh, it's just unfortunate because it's just a pander to the mob um, and, and there were some people saying that, I, as I said, I went first on the debate, and I said, look, we're, what do we do? We're pandering to mob rule here? What, what is the purpose of disclosing this to the public, to the New York Times? What, what's going to happen? This would be appropriate for a court proceeding, even a civil case, criminal case, the founded cases where someone has previously done some inappropriate things. But, you know, other than that, even the unfounded stuff would be appropriate in a court case, but there's no legal reason for them to get all of this information under FOIL. So entire departments are going to be FOILed in the next few months, guaranteed, and they're going to create a database, and they're going to just put people's names in and harass them. And it's, it's really sad. I tell you, we got to do a better job. Listen, always a pleasure. Uh, you stay well. Keep up the fight. It's tough. It's tough. Plenty of divide. I don't know how you do it, to be honest with you. Very tough to have a voice <laughs> up there. You, but, uh, you know, listen, I've known you a long time, and I know you'll keep up that fight. You stay well. We'll talk soon. You as well. Thank you, Jay. Have a good day.